Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me is J.C. Allen, also from PewterReport.com. We're here to break down a heartbreaking loss for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a season ender for the Buccaneers. They lose to the Los Angeles Rams 30-27 to during the Sunday afternoon divisional playoff game, and it wasn't heartbreaking. It looked like it was going to be in blowout fashion for a while. It ended up being in heartbreaking fashion, JC, but the Bucks had it there. They had it there after the comeback, tied it at this thing at 27. With 42 seconds left, they couldn't stop the Rams from driving in for a chip shot field goal. It was really ugly stuff on the defensive side. Some amazing moments in this game, but too much ugly to defeat a good team with everything on the line. Yeah, I mean, one of the best performances you'll see of Tom Brady of his entire career. Uh, it rivals that comeback from in the Super Bowl against Atlanta, you know, down 27-3 and just wills away back the team back for without everybody. I mean, John, he had nobody. Yeah. And the, the fact that he was able to even put them in a position to be able to go out there and give some credit, you know, to the defense too as well for coming up with some big stops. But, man, I mean, they had a full unit. Tom did this with nothing bare bones yeah well i mean he had one guy obviously but he had two he had mike evans and rob gronkowski but not much else the offensive line that had played well all season without tristan Wirfs and with ryan jensen now you know sporting multiple injuries was absolutely pitiful one of the worst performances of the season by any offensive line i would say i say that with very little hesitation jc i mean it was one thing to be under pressure a totally different thing to be under siege the way Brady was throughout this entire game. Iron immediate man. pressure, immediate pressure behind him. I don't know if people realize this without watching tape, but he could never drop fully in the pocket because of how fast Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and other edge rushers were winning outside of the tackles, Donovan Smith, and were getting in position to for strip sacks against Smith and Wells and, and Lever when he was in there, Stinney was in there for a play as the extra guy on the end of the line of scrimmage. He got beat around the edge. I mean, he could never get de depth in the pocket. And then there's interior rush, which, Oh, by the way, Aaron Donald's up there. Uh, how he got sacked just three times in this game is unreal because yeah. he was constantly under pressure. Uh, the offensive line was pitiful. The rest of the wide receivers on this team, shout out Scotty Miller for making some plays as we knew he would when he got his number called. Well, I mean, plays too. Yeah, instead they're trying to trot these jokers out there like Tyler Johnson, who just has been pitiful all season long. It was pathetic to watch some of the other players on this team go at it, and spe especially on the defensive side, which we'll get to in a second. But the the positive side of it, JC, if you're looking at it for, as, for, as a Bucks fan, obviously you're trying to see those silver linings, is that despite a lot of adversity, they came back in this game from being down 27-3. to some of that was luck. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Like the snap going past Stafford when the Rams are in scoring position is completely yeah. luck. Like that's, you know, you, you get the bounces sometimes and it gets you back in the game for sure. Um, you know, the, the first fumbles, the Rams are about to go in the goal uh, and to score a touchdown. You know, Winfield makes a good tackle there. I don't think he tried to strip the ball. It just came out. Um, and so, you know, you could have been down. Probably we're going to be down, you know, 27 to three going into the half. And then the Rams obviously scored second half too. So um, they definitely got some bounces, but still found a way to to make the most of them. A million opportunities were given in this game, found a way to finally make the most of them and tie it. And then we'll get to the call at the end of the game here too in a second. But just talking about the offense, JC, it felt like they were everything was hard all day. You knew it was going to be that way though, that everything was going to be hard all day. Got a couple short fields was what they needed. I, you know, Sue's strip was a good play. 
Dean knocked it out. It was a good play. Those plays, they needed those plays. I don't even remember because there were so many drives in this game, which ones of those they scored off of. But uh, they got some, did get some good turnovers by the defense. But other than that, it was a pretty pitiful defensive game, and they really needed the defense to be lead if they were going to have a chance to win this one. Yeah, you mentioned luck too, and you go back to that play right before the half where the fumble, you know, the questionable fumble, did his head touch the ground or not? Antoine Winfield did to recover it. No, that was, I don't even think Winfield, and we talked about it, I don't think Winfield caused that, but man, what a lucky break that they had there, or else that game would have been completely yeah. different going into the half with the Rams getting the ball, much like it was back in week three when the Rams scored right before the half, then got the ball back. But, you know, the defense, they... They've had their they have had their struggles all year, um, especially in the secondary. It seemed like they played man for a minute and then they went to zone and zone. They just anything that they could try to do to to limit that offense was not working, especially in that first half. They made a few adjustments and they're able to get some stops, but you know the offense never really took full full advantage of that sometimes and until later in the game. But you know, credit to them for for stopping. Uh, the Rams enough to let the Bucks offense get back to work and get back in it. So, I mean, it, mm -hmm. it was tough. So, yeah, I'm no question. It was a rough game. It was going to be kind of tough sledding for the offense. I felt like a lot of the game, especially when it became clear, they had no answer or remedy for the Rams pass rush at all. Like that was pretty clearly in the game. You know, Brady made a couple of plays actually getting out of sure sacks, which isn't even Brady's game necessarily. I mean, he hit the 29 yarder to Gronk on their first field goal attempt. Yeah. And then, got out of structure and hit Leonard with that floater for 20 yards, which is an awesome throw. Um, and, and did those things under pressure. And that one created, I think a missed field goal opportunity by Ryan Suckup. But I mean, the, some of the plays he had to make in this game, even early on, you were like, Oh man, it's hard to live this way the whole game, no matter who's your quarterback. Um, and so it, you were like, okay, it's going to be tough. Then right away, they come out of the gate, they're dropping passes, sloppy play. They drop Gronk drops a third down, a first third down of the game. I think um, Cam Bray drops a second third down of the game. They have to settle for a field goal instead of going in close to the end zone there and having a chance to, to score a uh, touchdown. You know, those are the kind of plays. I think they dropped four third downs. Evans dropped the next third down. It would have been, would have maybe put him in, or so it was a second down play, I should say. I mean, it would have maybe put him in like third and short, I think, in that situation. He drops it. And so there was just kind of sloppy play across the board for the Bucs. And Evan said it, we came out, you know, he said he blamed himself and, you know, respect to him. You know, he ended up playing an awesome game in the second half, obviously put up great numbers and, and was exactly the player they needed him to be. But yeah, for a lot of that game, the first half, I mean, he was just as bad as everybody else. And that's when that deficit hit. And that's when it was, it's hard to come back period. And they did do it. But again, it took like some crazy breaks for sure. But it's just a hard position to put yourself when you don't come out and execute. I personally and I think from what I've seen from most fans, I didn't have a big problem with the game plan, JC. I felt like offensively the plays were there for them to take advantage of. They, you know, Leftwich dialed up some good calls too. Like he had the, the screen to break that I saw break dropped was a great play call behind a blitz. It could have hit big, could have been a touchdown. Oh, that was a beautiful setup. Yeah, beautiful set. Like there were some plays like that, man, but players didn't execute in that first half and they got way behind because of a defensively different story. But offensively, I felt like, I like the game plan. I thought that they took their shots when they needed to. They were aggressive. They got away from them. Early down runs weren't working. They got away from them. I thought they did some really good things game planning-wise. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned getting away from early, early down runs. That was very surprising. And you know, then they go to up tempo, and you could see some more success happening with that. So yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I you know, you're you're dealing with the personnel you have, and and when you're missing Brashad Perriman, you're missing Cyril Grayson, obviously Godwin, A. B. And these guys now you've got you know. <laughs> Cam Brate playing the slot receiver position because you're down to two wide receivers. I mean, yeah, you're, you're doing the best you can out there. And Brady made the most of it and made it work. So, you know, they've got a lot of uh, they've got a lot to do this offseason to figure out what's going to what they're going to be able to accomplish, who they're going to be able to bring back. But, you know, right now on this game, I think if you're the offensive side of the ball, you look at what you did and you have no regrets. I don't I don't think you can have any regrets because. Mm of what you did with what you had, you did pretty damn well. Yeah, I mean, it's true that they were battered in this game going into it. So were the Rams. I mean, there were lots of issues with the Rams, too, and injuries. We'll talk about those in a second. Leo with the $5 Super Chat, greatly appreciate that. I do not see Brady going out like that. I think he will be back. Sign Godwin, Jensen, Lenny, Gronk, Whitehead, Tag Davis, Fire Keith Armstrong. (laughs) Special (laughs) teams were a joke today, too, after their best game of the year. They were abysmal today. Um, yeah, we'll talk about all that stuff. And we'll talk about what the season looks like moving forward. Going to look back at this loss for a little bit first, and then we'll talk about what things look like moving forward. I've got a lot of positive. I, I think people will look and be dramatic, but I think most of these players will be back, and this team won't look that dissimilar either uh, coming back. We're going to do the, the seldom, seldom move. We don't You don't see this very often on the Peter Report podcast, but we're going to do it. We're going to bring in four people at one time on the show to talk. Oh, here we go. Look at this. Oh, but we're blocking people's faces. Hang on. Hang on. Stand by, Paul. Stand by. I'm going to get there. We go. You got it, JC. All right. Thank I got you. it. Yeah. Well, super chats are flying in too. So we appreciate yes. Super chats, guys. Super chats are flying in. Welcome, Paul Atwell, to the show. Casey Hudson to the show. This is the first time I think on the Pew Report podcast <laughs> we've had four people live on the show. So, All kinds of history in the making today. I was gonna say we're setting records. Not so much for the box anymore, but we're setting records tonight for, for sure. First time I'm sharing the screen with Casey. That's right. I know. Yeah. Hello. That's awesome. <laughs> me and Paul will happily do our own show. Paul makes That's right. <laughs> there you go. I won't sign up for that actually. The super chats. The chats are coming in so fast. My computer's like melting down. So JC, if you see any super chats, just go ahead and pull them up on the screen. Yeah, Brandon yeah. says, "Great season, faced with tons of adversity." Sucks, but proud of them for fighting back. Thanks for y'all, your great coverage, guys. Pretty definitively got to bring back Fournette uh, at this point. No, thank you, Brandon. Appreciate that one. Um, appreciate you always being in here and giving us tons of support with the super chat. Um, you know, Fournette played pretty well coming back from injury. Casey, I'll go to you for your thoughts on this one. I know this was kind of one that everybody was like, oh, what's he going to look like? He, he looked pretty good, honestly. I mean, when there was something there in the run game, he, he seemed like he found it. Good plays as a receiver, too. Um, wasn't going to be a big game to rely on him once they got down early, but it seemed like Fournette, you know, played just as good a game as he really had all season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 51 rushing yards coming back off of an injury and he really kind of made it count when he did get the ball. Of course, there were certain moments that were like, eh, but that wasn't particularly always on him. He had about two plays where he looked a little bit more explosive than I would have expected him to be coming off of an injury. And when they were heading towards, I mean, I guess looking at the field when they were heading towards the end zone to my right, like he had that play on the right side of the field where he really reeled in that ball with one hand. And it was just kind of like he, he made some massive plays count and I would love to see Fournette back next season. I think that he's just matured so much. He's not here for himself. He's lost any kind of selfish tendencies that he could ever have. And if he can contribute that 
like as a starting role coming out the gate, I think that he'd be that much more of a force to be reckoned with for the team. So yeah, good, I think good he did points. better than I thought. Yeah, I think he, he he's a player you'd like to have back. It's just going to be all about the cost. Paul, you watched this game and uh, closely and kind of were, I think, in a similar place to me. Offensively, though, I want to know, before we get to the defensive side, I know you have thoughts there too, but offensively, I mean, it, do you feel like because there was so much self-inflicted stuff that it's really hard to be critical of the game plan, especially coming out? Obviously, you get down late in the game. Some of that stuff goes out of the window. What did you think of the game plan early on? It seemed like there were, I mean, obviously a bunch of drops. I think at the their first two two third downs were dropped, and then a second would have put in third and short were dropped, and some of that makes it tough to evaluate things from a coaching perspective. I think it really does, and uh, you know, without the tape, it's so hard to know. But it's it's super hard to overcome one crucial drops and two terrible protection, right? So mm-hmm. it's really hard. Just when you have those two things working against you, it's really hard to evaluate everything else. And I think another big factor in this is that the Bucks were taking taken out of their game script really early on right. in the first couple drives we saw a lot of under center I wasn't a big fan of the early down runs but I do think that it was going to set up an under center strategy with a decent bit of play action they actually yeah, did they, have a decent bit yep. of play action first couple drives I texted in the group chat saying that I think it's gonna be a play action game under center but that goes out the window when you're taken out of your game script and you're down a couple of touchdowns so really hard to evaluate my guess is as a default that it was a perfectly fine game plan schematically i think leftwich has grown so much even though i do always come back to the two issues with first down runs and lack of play action but I've, everything else like all the hard parts he has just he's grown so much since mm-hmm. last year so yeah. i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt at least until i see the tape en- encouraging stuff for sure from him i felt like and you you felt the same way jc in terms of watching that game unfold that leftwich mm-hmm. it was pushing a lot of the right buttons early on players really need to step up and execute and the players seem to indicate that to Terrence Davis with the $5 super chat. We appreciate that. As Scotty finally earned more playing time, JC will go to you. And then I know we got to go to Casey for that one too. Cause she wants to take a victory lap there. I'm sure. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know what this team's going to look like next, next year. What if they grab, you know, I don't know, Chris Olave or someone in the, you know, a wide receiver in the first or, could, or second very round. Very could easily happen. Yeah. Or, or, you know, then that pushes Scotty down as well. So, I mean, Maybe I mean that's that catch he made on the left sideline. I mean was it was super grimy and and it was critical on that on that uh, touch fifty five yard touchdown to to Mike Evans and that's what you love to see and that's one of been one of his biggest uh, issues so far. You know is Bruce has been saying it forever. You know grimy catches, dirty catches, um, and it was great to see. But do I think that he's earned himself? more playing time i can't say that i mean if there was a game next week yes right now i i don't i have no idea what the team's gonna look like next year kind of agree with you go ahead casey what do you got what do you got for us (laughs) i can't stray too far from what jc just said my only issue is that i i haven't seen any trust between tom brady and scotty miller and i know a lot of people are going to be like how because he's relied on him in certain moments but i feel like if scotty had more security where he felt like he was trusted in a role he could produce a little bit better i also think that he could help switch things up a little bit i didn't hate the play calling today, but to see them do certain plays, like where they had that swing around with, with um, Miller, I think it was like two games ago and his speed was able to help get them, you know, up the field and utilize it. That's some of the stuff that I wanted to see them utilize more and incorporate at the right moments because 
they get killed with, you know, choosing when to run the ball and it becoming predictable a lot, very often. So I feel like they could really utilize Scotty in, in different ways to where it's not like he's just this last resort guy who's always just standing around waiting for an opportunity. If he had more of a secure role, I think he could be helpful to the team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that Scotty's an interesting player because when we see him on the field, he looks good, you know, so mm -hmm. something the coaches see, you know, we see him in practice as a training camp. He looks good. Like it doesn't make sense how I know they're different positions technically, but right. Tyler Johnson has been a waste of space all season for this offense in the passing game. And Paul, you've seen this firsthand and at least Scotty, when he's out there, you see separation, you see routes mm -hmm. where he wins and he beats people and he gets <laughs> open and yeah, maybe he's not big and maybe you lose something in the blocking game, but who cares if you can get open and, he got open in this game, and it just felt like, I mean, at the end of this game, Tyler Johnson got hurt. He didn't come back in the game. Jalen mm -hmm. Darden out with a concussion. So the Bucs literally were at the end of this game. They had Evans, Scotty Miller, who they didn't want to use clearly all season long. And John Brown wasn't even – I don't. he was suited up, but I guess – I don't think he played in the game. I, I didn't see him I mean, as he played in the game. Did you see him, Casey? Well, you were there. I think right? he did have a couple reps, maybe like two, is what okay, somebody yeah. was saying about him being okay. in, but so, like not – yeah. Right. I mean, they were little, they're down in this game and they have to operate from 12 personnel, even when they flex the tight ends, because they just don't have enough receivers and definitely receivers that well, they trust. Not an ideal spot to be in. And the thing that makes me feel like, yes, Miller does deserve way more playing time is because Tyler Johnson's kind of been crapping the bed in some major moments in the past couple of games. It should, some guys are getting too much opportunity and just the most awful timing period. Mm -hmm. So waiting for Tyler Johnson to go down. It just, it takes him forever to get situated in a game. It takes him forever to find a stride. And even then it's just kind of hit or miss. So I think that Miller should definitely be playing over Johnson. Yeah. And it's no. hard to argue with this sort of production, right? Like we've John, I, I remember talking to you about this over the off season. Like on one hand, I was kind of anti Scotty just in the sense that he's limited, but at the mm -hmm. same time, when a guy produces like that, you gotta just get him on the field, right? And I also think there's something to what Casey's saying with the lack of chemistry. Like maybe, maybe Brady and doesn't trust Scotty to see coverages the same way he does, right? But the thing is, you don't need to stick Scotty on the inside where he has a bunch of option routes. He's right. at his best as the Z or as maybe even the X if you want to move uh, Evans around. Yeah. But really, his best role is what Antonio Brown did as that Z when uh, uh, Godwin and Evans were healthy. So now when he goes down. With all the caveats of I don't know what happens at mm -hmm. practice, I don't know the health situation of Scotty, but at, when he looks like this, it's so hard not to question why wasn't he in those Z, Z mm -hmm. receiver sets, like in those 11 personnel sets. And, you know, mm -hmm. sure, maybe there's lack of chemistry, but there are a lot fewer uh, variable routes in that position compared mm -hmm. to what Godwin is doing. And you know yeah. what? This also goes back to what I was talking about a few weeks ago, John. We talked about this quite a bit. They chose a very plug and play solution to this offense. They they didn't want to they did they the, the offense as it was today is very similar to what it's been post bye week. Mm -hmm. So when Godwin went down, they said we don't want to do an overhaul. We don't want to move guys around and try to make that Godwin position less important. Instead, we're going to leave it just as important as it always was. But we're going to pretend Tyler Johnson is Chris Godwin, and <laughs> the guy can't he can't deliver. So I, know, I don't even think he's maybe I don't even think, there. yeah, I don't even think he's Tyler Johnson from from the <laughs> Minnesota days. I mean, I don't even. Think he's that's what I mean by like they're not adjusting. They just 
they just keep trying to force things and oh, a great team can't do that especially when you're getting knocked at the knees the way that they did between injuries and even off the field drama and anything else mm -hmm. that played into all you know this this loss or the losses that took place this season yeah, yeah it just yeah. felt like more it was Alex Johnson yeah it felt like it was going to be tough this year it just when the injuries started piling up, there is Brady has said this many times. There is a decent amount of luck to getting to a Super Bowl. It doesn't mean that you're not skilled. You just got luckier than other teams. There's a lot of good teams in the NFL, and there's a decent amount of luck in there. There's more luck involved in this game than in any, in any game, but especially in, in football, I think, than we care to kind of admit about like when things happen, and we want to always cast blame in certain directions. But there's a decent amount of luck involved, and part of it's health. And you could see a lot of those situations showed up today. I mean, I honestly never thought they were coming back from 27-3. The way that offensive line looked, I honestly was worried Brady was going to suffer a serious injury, and that might have been the way. I mean, that's how ridiculous the situations were that he was in in this game because we've said this a lot of times before. There's a big difference between being under pressure and being under pressure immediately. And Brady yeah. is all, pretty much never going to be under pressure in a game like where he's going to consistently hold the ball too long. The other quarterbacks struggle with that. Even other good quarterbacks struggle with that that is not going to be a struggle of Brady's. So the fact that he was under pressure as much as he was in this game is just mind boggling because there were hardly a play where he held the football. Um, there were several plays he got hit as he threw that resulted yep. in incompletions. I mean, the fact he got out of this game healthy, as far as we can see, and he said he felt <laughs> yeah. great after the game. The fact that he got out of this game healthy to me is honestly more impressive and incredible than coming back from 27 to three, because you knew he was dropping back the whole game. They were teeing off, they were hitting them. And uh, his ability to, to speed things up in his mind and still make plays got out of several sacks. Robert, uh, we appreciate this $5 super chat. We're going to transition to talk about some of this. It felt like it was not Brady's best game ever. It felt like he did everything humanly possible in this game, given the context of what he was working with. Can I, I drop a hot take here, John? Yeah, drop one. <laughs> what Brady dealt with today was more difficult than what Mahomes dealt with in the Super Bowl. I agree with that completely because yeah. it was every oh, snap. Yeah. Mahomes was a couple snaps, but yeah. And Mahomes bailed out of clean pockets a ton. When he got happy feet, he induced pressure. That's exactly what you're talking about, by the way. Right. Quarterbacks inducing pressure. Mahomes did a lot of that in the Super Bowl. And there's this idea that he was just under pressure immediately all day. No, no, no. That's what happened today. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And, yeah. and we, we're going to show on the tape this week about how absurd that it was. But those are the situations I think it becomes really, really difficult to win in as a quarterback when the pressure is immediate the way that it was for Brady today. Those are the spots where you're like, I don't know how you can get out of this game. And then you look up and he's got 320 yards and they're back in the game. And obviously he got some bounces that, that helped them in that on that path. Yeah. Like there's no question there. You don't come back from 27-3 or 28-3 in the Super Bowl without your defense making a play here or there or giving you a short field. Like nobody does it on their own, no matter what anybody wants to tell you. And so there's a lot of factors to it. But guys, it felt like 27-3 and then you come back tie 27-27. And then what the heck happened at the end of this game? I mean, Robert says that I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Rams scoring in three plays with it's actually 42 seconds left. <laughs> what happens here? JC, go to you quickly, and then we'll go around Casey Paul, and then I'll finish it out. But let's just talk about the last drive by the Rams and your thoughts and impressions of kind of how that went, JC. Uh, I mean, collapse, you know, it just a, it was a collapse. Uh, you, you get to him on the first play, sack. You're like, okay, this is good. Then you give up 20 yards to Cooper Cup, and then you just <laughs> against the guy who's the, been the best against the Blitz since 2016. You send the house. And according to Bruce Arians and whatnot, and you know, some players said one thing, other players said the other thing. 
that they didn't all get the correct call and that ah it was just you can't you you, you hate to see it you can't see it because this game quite frankly um and tony dungy said it best you let him get the 15 yard stack him and you play it into overtime and you did the, the one thing the absolute one thing you can't let happen right and that's cooper cup go deep it was just yeah. it was so deflating after such a high when Lenny walks it in, mm-hmm. you know, and especially listen to you, John, on the pod. It's just it, like, I don't, I don't, I listen to the game a little bit, but I have you on too. And it's like, stand up. <laughs> you know? it's, it's just great. And then you're like, yeah. oh, my God, what the heck? So, I mean, yeah, right. Todd Bowles deserves everything. The criticism that he's getting deserves it all. I know Bruce is going to stand by his man, but. Mm-hmm. That's football one-on-one. Yeah, you can't right. do that. Can't do that in that situation for sure. Casey, you're going to go to you in a second here, but I just want to really quick, forgot to shout out our sponsor, Celsius Energy Drinks, the title sponsors of the Peter Report podcast and the proud distributors of Fast Protein Bars, the best protein bars that are out there, folks. You can get them right now too. You can get these protein bars for 20% off. All you have to do is go click on the link that is in this YouTube description. You click on the link. You get 20% off on these on these fast protein bars when you order on Amazon. And the promo code is 20 fast start. That's all you gotta do. They are the best tasting protein bars out there. I promise you. White chocolate cookies and cream, caramel peanut crunch. Cannot recommend both of them more. They are terrific stuff. Make sure you check those out in that link in the YouTube description below. And then of course, have yourself a Celsius energy drink as well. You can check those out on Amazon or you can you click on the banner ads at peterreport.com, use the store locator on celsius.com uh, to find out where they sell those uh, near you as well. Casey, go ahead. I know you want to make some points about the end of the game as well. Yeah. I mean, you, it is what it is. It was an awful call. And I legit closed out my prediction article saying that if they over blitz, they will fail. And that put them in a lot of terrible positions. Like defense just had to keep kind of making up for those, for some of those calls and over blitzing and leaving the middle of the field open. And that's not the team to do it with, especially when they, you know, can run the ball. They did well with Sony today, but they still put themselves in, in very terrible positioning. They were constantly just making up for a lot of the mistakes that were, that were taking place on the field. So that final call was really brutal to watch, especially as soon as you saw him get open and you just knew, but even the one right before that, just to see what did he get like 15 yards or under Mm. like anywhere between 10 to 15 yards at that point, you knew it. Like, Matt Gay could not do that in Tampa Bay, but apparently now it's just got to get him decently close enough and he can make it work. So that was hard to watch, especially growing up and seeing this team pull it together that way. But offense was not the game. The people that played today, even if they would have beat the Rams, it would have been really hard to see them get out of the NFC championship just because offense is struggling a lot. And to see a guy like Wirfs go down and that make that much of an impact, that's scary. Yeah, that was a, definitely one of the big negative moments of the game, no question. Matt Matera joining us, Matt. Hey, yo. Great to see you here. We're talking about the end of the game situation here, Matt, and what in the world happened there. Paul, I know you were looking at the coverage a lot after the game while we were scrambling to get up content. What did you see? I know we heard the comments from coaches and everything. Did Everybody got the call. It looked like it was supposed to be a zero blitz, uh, which mm-hmm. basically means everybody's you – know, 
I think four, four defenders, maybe and at that KJ point. Everybody's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. KJ, yeah. And uh, it looked like not everybody <laughs> got the call, not everybody blitz maybe, but I don't think that part would have mattered. Arian said we should have tons of pressure. I'm not sure what he's even talking about because Sue broke through right away. That pressure part wasn't the issue. The issue was the fact that you had a dude wide open running down the field, but all you had to do was keep the ball in front of you. Yeah, there are two things that really stick out. One is all the reasons that JC and Casey already talked about. The call doesn't make sense. Stafford is amazing against the Blitz. Like, surely they know this, right? Like, they know that he's amazing against the Blitz, and that should have influenced their game plan, right? But schematically, like, it's just such a breakdown. Like, that play that they call, it's called a dagger concept. In McVeigh's language, it's called NASCAR. It's a two-man read. Cup, who's running that straight like go or uh, seam route, I guess you want to say in the slot, he's not a part of the read. His job there is to clear the safety out of the way and create room right over the middle underneath. And they're trying to hit that deep inbreaker because they know that the Bucks, in theory are going to give those inbreaking routes up because they don't have any space. And in theory, the Bucks should be like, okay, fine. Instead, you don't even give that up. The guy who doesn't, who's not even a part of the actual read comes wide open because your free safety is one-on-one because you're cover in cover zero and he's flat-footed because you don't get the communication down right, mm. which is the, brings me to my second point. Like, How many times do we see this team with undisciplined errors, whether it be penalties and just lack of communication? Like, Are you kidding me? They don't have the call right? Like, How is that not a coaching issue? I feel like Aaron's just trying to say that as a way of deflecting, as he typically does. He's going to blame it on execution, blame it on the players. The fact that you don't have that communicated right, that's on you. That's on the coaches. Just unforgivable mistakes. Ridiculous yeah. lack of discipline. You're preaching to Matt. Paul, I could not agree with you more, man. Just the fact that, you know, the game's on the line. It's win or go home. You just clawed your way back to tie this up, and you're not all on the same page with 28 seconds left to go and no timeouts left? Like, come on, man. And it's so ironic that the Bucks defense all season, it was all about let's not allow the big play. We're going to let up everything underneath. We're never going to allow the big play. And two huge moments where the freak, I'm sure you guys already talked about this, but the freaking third and 19, third and 20 touchdown to Cooper Cup and then Cup at the end of the game. The irony is insane that they let up those two big plays and that's essentially why they lost the game is just mm-hmm. the, how do you have miscommunication in that situation with the game I on the know. line? It makes zero sense at all. We talked all week about how Stafford is great against the blitz. He was good again in this game against the blitz. And you just, at that point you're playing for overtime. Like mm-hmm. even after you stopped them, it was like second and 11 after they stopped that run play. All right, you're good to go. Let's hopefully you win the coin toss. Cause that's really all you need now in, in, in the playoff overtime. But yeah, yeah that was really like, frustrating. What do you what do you hope to accomplish out of that play? I like, probably get uh, another turnover not, because the way that game I mean, was going, yeah. all the turnovers that they had was just like, all right, well, literally anything is happening in this game. There's been flukes left and right with the snap that goes to midfield and JPP of all players is the one that recovers it. I'm sure maybe they that it probably made, got the factored into it too. It would have made JPP on the dead run, run with eight fingers plucking the ball. <laughs> If they were in like field goal range and they were trying to like blitz to like sack to like knock them out, that would have made sense. But they weren't even in field goal range. It's just right. a no. odd, odd, odd play call. Ed, you know, I hope that doesn't deter someone from hiring him away. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's it. It gets interesting because it gets complicated. Like I don't think Bulls is getting a head coaching job elsewhere. We kind of said that on on Thursday when Matt and I did that show. If people want to go back and listen. Matt and I talked on Thursday about just the coaching situation with the Bucs and whether we think Leftwich or Bulls will get hired away. And now with 
the Vikings kind of moving in a different direction with GM and not hiring John Spytek. To me, that felt like the most likely landing spot for Bulls. So I do think Bulls will be back. I'm not even saying Bulls being back is a bad thing because you people have to remember on the other side of things is usually a worse defensive coordinator. Like it just is reality. Like, you know, the, the Bucks got to where they got. I think they were one of the four best teams in the NFL playing this week. I mean, you could see like the teams that played this week. I mean, it felt like Chiefs, Bills, and and Bucks, Rams were kind of in that situation. Obviously, Packers in that conversation, but they lost. And so I don't know what you, you know, you can't say much about that. They don't have a leg to stand on. So you're in this situation, you're in this fight, you're in these spots. You can't lose the forest through the trees and say, oh, we need to fire everybody. There's a big difference between saying Bulls lost that game with that call or Bulls defense in general against Sean McVay, which has been absolutely putrid every time that he's faced him. He's just been absolutely destroyed by Sean McVay. Like there's a big difference between saying that he sucks and he's horrible in these matchups. We can be that demonstrative and not necessarily say like we think he should be fired now. Do you think somebody else should hire him away? Would we cry if somebody else hired him away? You know, those are different conversations on on Thursday. I think I said I I think it would the chances are it would end up being a neg- negative for the Bucks um, because there are enough good put things that he brings to the table. But again, you're taking the good with the bad like you are with most coaches in the league. And the bad is that the dude does not know when to chill out and stop blitzing, and it drives all of us crazy. Crown with the $5 super chat. A dead ball foul on third down is 15 yards for us. A dead ball foul is a turnover on downs. It makes no sense. Tough loss, tough season, great team. It is a tough loss. That was a tough moment in the game. That might be something the NFL needs to review. I think post-snap penalties that are not related to like taunting or like Carlton Davis taking his helmet off last week against the Eagles – like those things, I think those can be enforced between yeah. downs. I'm totally fine with that. That stuff isn't really me. If you want to do it to, because you want to police the game in this super strict way, for Lord knows what reason, I have no clue why the helmet thing is a, even a rule. But okay, but if you're talking about a guy that's helmet to the head of another player, that needs to be a more serious infraction, I think. And it's something I think the rules committee should go and look for. Now, obviously not the reason that, that they lost. I think Akers fumbled. Was he... I can't even remember when the turnovers happened in this game. There were so many. Um, MB with the $5 Super Chat. Who would have thought we were Perryman and Grayson injuries away from winning? Matt, walk us through this here because from our vantage point, we already know no Godwin. Evans or uh, AB's out of here. Then you have Perryman down, Grayson down. You uh, Tyler Johnson at some point goes out of this game and does not come back, right? And then Jalen Darden with the concussion. Like, does John Brown get into this game? I don't don't remember seeing him. I guess Casey said maybe a couple plays, but – well, they were playing at the end with like two wide receivers, basically. Yeah, essentially. They they were doing a lot of uh, three tight end sets, but I guess that was more out of necessity than anything else when you're down to just Mike Evans and, and Scotty Miller. And sure, like going into that game, if you, if you weren't going to have Perryman and Surreal Grayson Jr., you're probably thinking like, all right, well, unless Mike Evans goes off and Gronk goes off, then we're not really going to have a chance. I mean, we keep talking about and maybe not expecting but we're looking for tyler johnson to to make that next step and he just hasn't i know you guys were talking about it before we all love scotty miller he makes impact plays when he's in there but the coaches clearly don't trust him because they really don't like put him on the field at all or anything like that but yeah offensively it was really just mike evans that obviously balled out at receiver and fournette had a had an okay game he obviously reached the end zone twice but this is one of those games too where you know, the Bucks weren't really able to march down the field at all. They this again was kind of reminding me of the divisional game last year against the Saints, where they only had to march down the field, you know, half of the field, a quarter of the field, 
And it was similar in this one where every time the Bucks kept getting those turnovers, like they got back into the game because, you know, Sue, Sue forced the fumble. They got the ball at the 20 or SB recovered the fumble on Cooper cup. And they were at the 30. You're like, they didn't have to move that far down the field to score those touchdowns. So uh, you obviously saw that they weren't the only reason they got back in was because of the turnovers. And, uh, you know, you're pretty much just slamming your head against the wall at this point if you think, like, Tyler Johnson is going to go do anything. Because it was really just Mike Evans. Gronk had some big plays, but those are even more just, like, Brady avoided the sack and chaos ensued and Gronk got yeah. open down the field. It wasn't even really like Gronk, you know, dominated or had, like, a spectacular game. He was just wide open when everything else broke down. So it was yeah. really just Mike Evans, and that was about it, with a little sprinkle of Leonard Fournette. Yeah, so Frank said with the two dollars super chat, send Darden back to the, to the practice squad and pick up a return. All right, I, am, rid of, um, I really Casey, don't want to knock Taylor are... Darden too bad because he's a rookie, but I'm convinced that guy has roller skates underneath his cleats. No, bro, it makes no sense. Every single no. time he slips and falls, you've had Darden? eight, whatever it is, eighteen games to like get this under control, and he slips and falls every time. <laughs> Home game, road game, it doesn't matter the location. He's slipping and sliding everywhere. Yeah. New cleats won't help him. This is the kid that you grew up with that used to try to break ankles on the basketball court and hurt himself. Like he does too <laughs> much. I cannot stand it. I rather see anybody else do returns than Darden because I was losing my cool with it. He no, he's got to go all the way. Gone. Josh Wells back there for all I care. Get Darden yeah. out of there, man. <laughs> anybody else? Anybody Dan else? Connolly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was like the third return, not the one where he slipped because Matt almost lost it when he slipped over himself. Yeah. But you saw his knees going one way, his ankles going another way, and nobody was even in front of him. And I'm like, why is this happening to your body? Like, do you are you not ready to handle this yet? Darden <laughs> Which is, is why garbage. Like, why did they get rid of Mickens from this role? Okay, I get that you want to keep Darden on the roster. Maybe it had something to do with that. But is there not a way to maneuver around that? Like Mickens was. There a was. Low. Mickens was on the practice squad. Jaguar signed him away to their active roster. But couldn't they have kept him on their active roster? Like, because he was, as far as returns, he was the low upside, but very little downside guy. And with Darden, you're trying to shoot for the stars and go with this high variance guy. But when you have such a high powered offense, you don't need high variance. You need a guy who's going to be super reliable, not make mistakes, and just mm -hmm. get the ball to number 12. And I thought Barnard did right. way better than him. Kenyon Barnard has been game. the best returner. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. In one freaking game. <laughs> 12-yard line, 15-yard line, 13-yard line. Like, what are you doing? Bro? I mean, when you can't get past the 20 on a kickoff, he fielded a kickoff at the 10 and got to the 14. I've never seen that they, in my life. At one point, they're walking to them. like, don't tuck, no touchbacks. Kick it to this dude Darden at the two. And <laughs> yes. it's not going to get anything. 100%. And, yes, blocking was bad, too. Special teams were atrocious. Special so after their best yeah, game of the it. year, they showed their true uh. colors. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was another rough performance by them. Tom Bucks fan with the five dollar super chat. Donovan Smith looked like he had a broken ankle the way he was abused. Oh. Yeah, this was Donovan tough, was man. not good. This was maybe oh. his worst game since Brady's been into maybe since that week one for Brady's first game with the Bucks. But Brady couldn't get any depth he in the no pocket time. at all. Like it was yeah. unbelievable. Like he if he got any depth beyond like I mean it was ridiculous. Someplace it was like five to seven yards. He's like sitting up in the pocket. Because there's nothing you could do. Like if he went drop back, they got beat around the edge almost every play. It was just, yeah, I think like the context of the situation is just so difficult for a quarterback. Christopher says five dollars super jet, super disappointing and almost as bad as the 1999 NFC Championship game. Yes, it was disappointing because of the way that it went down. I think. Uh, and let's get this one back up. Uh, there's another five dollars super chat here. Appreciate this. Paul got it right. Drops did not help, but offensively the game plan was off. How do you not use more play action and have Donovan and Wells on islands 
Paul, you did get this right. You were the only one that picked the Rams to win this game. And so you did get that correct. I know you take very like no solace in that because you're taking this out hard as, as we all are, honestly, we yeah. put on a good face for the show here, but uh, the drops were a big part of this, the play action. We kind of touched on a little bit, but it, it, it's hard when you're down multiple scores to sell it. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it from and you could see it at the beginning. We talked about this. It was part of the game plan. You could tell it was going to be a big part of it. You're out of the neutral yeah. script. And here's the other thing as well. Play action is usually five step, seven step drops, especially the way the Bucks do it. They they want shot plays off of it. When your guys can't protect, you can't really call play action unless you're going max protection. And when you go max protection, you're only running with what three eligible receivers, maybe even two. And meanwhile, they're dropping, you know, seven guys into coverage. It's just not a good matchup in that sense where either you're going to get beat right off the bat or you're running with three against seven. So tough to use play action in a game like this. Yeah, Paul sure. also uh, is now the uh, champion of the season, knocking off Ledyard from last That's year, true. taking that spot over. Guys, I want to thank you all for being here. We're almost at 600 people in here. Please do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button if you're not already su subscribed and hit that thumbs up button. Give us a like. It helps our SEO. It helps us get... A lot more viewers on, on their eyes onto Peter Report so we can continue giving you guys the best content. And, again, thank you for the super chats. Keep them rolling in. And uh, Dan D says, thank you all for top-notch coverage and podcast this year, PR staff. Tough pill to swallow, but what a change these last two years have been over the previous 10. Thank you so much, Dan, yeah. for that. And, it, and it's not just going to be the previous two. The Bucks organization is headed in the right direction. They draft well. They scout players well. It's a good organization. It's class. It's 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 all the things that you want. When you look around at top organizations in the NFL, the Bucs have it. And obviously you need a quarterback. There's no question about that. You need a play caller, you know, an offensive scheme. Every great team basically in the NFL right now has those things. Um, no disrespect to the 49ers might not, but at the quarterback anyway. But, um, you know, most of the rest of those teams have those things. And so obviously you'll need a guy after Brady. Let's talk just briefly about Brady because I know that people probably want to hear about this. We'll go back to the defense maybe uh, to finish things off uh, for the show. Actually, let's stick with the defense. We'll talk about Brady to touch the show because defensively there's still more points that need to be made because we talked about the end of the game, but it was really the entire game. Like This was an absolute disaster defensively. Cooper Cup now. I mean, we are getting to the point where this is almost unfathomable what he's done against the Bucs and how little answer the Bucs have had for this guy. It's honestly like they don't even try to like scheme to stop him differently. They act like he's like any other player out there, which blows my mind. I mean, obviously in certain times, and it's hard because they have other players, but Cooper Cup's production against the Bucs has been just completely bonkers. I'll read to you what you have today, and. He had 102 yards at halftime. What he finished with 180 something yards Something in this like game in 2019, he had nine catches on 15 targets for 121 yards and a touchdown in 2020. He had 11 catches on 13 targets, 145 yards and zero touchdowns in 2021. He had nine catches for on 12 targets for 96 yards and two touchdowns. And today in the most embarrassing performance of all of them, Cooper Cup had nine catches for 183 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. Uh, just a bunch of mind-boggling numbers in there for Cooper Cup against the Bucs. That's his fourth time playing the Bucs. I mentioned on the pregame show going into the game. Cup had more yardage against the Bucs in his career in three games than he did against the 49ers in seven career games. The Niners <laughs> playing his division. 
That doesn't even make sense. That's four more games. Now it's not even going to be remotely close if you count this playoff game. Just it's absurd. Like they have no answer for the dude, and they had no answer for Stafford in either game this season. I wonder if you count the playoff game, it's more than the Cardinals or the Seahawks, who he's got eight and ten games against because they just might be played Seattle 10 times I know and it was pretty close in terms of in terms of yards per game every team he's played more than once the Bucks are like blowing everybody else away in terms of production per so it's it's brutal from top to bottom Paul schematically your thoughts on Bulls and this defense just in the way that they approach this game yeah got to see it fully but from what I could see started off with a lot of cover three blitzing off of it had mixed in some man early on but whenever it was man there was it was blitzing right like it was he was sending five we talk about this all the time john like when they play man it's going to be single high rushing five no robber or whole player over the middle but that could have been such a good weapon against cooper cup you play single high one lurk one hole one robber whatever point being you have one guy zoning right in the middle what does that let you do everybody else who's playing man especially when cooper cup is in the slot if you're playing man, you play him with outside leverage, and then you funnel him inside to where you have your zone defender right over the middle. Instead, he's blitzing, sending five. There's nobody in the middle, so it's a true one-on-one across the board. Or it's cover three with blitzes off of it with just massive gaps in coverage behind it. And Stafford, I saw some ridiculous stat line at halftime like versus cover three compared to man, and he was just torching their zone defenses. Just yeah i don't get it that's not how you game plan for cup you don't blitz stafford and you don't just leave cup one-on-one in the slot let alone against your free safety running down the field yeah it's uh was not a good game plan from start to finish some players really struggled in this game though casey sean murphy bunting you know yikes i mean what are you, he's coming back from that hamstring injury but it looked like he maybe should have not come back it looks like he needed to relax the whole season. He had one good game ever since coming back from injury, and that's been it. God, sorry. Huh? It's true, though. Point out a time where he's been he's been inconsistent for a while. He's but bad came most back, of his career, had a yeah. solid bounce back game and then just completely fell off for one. So, yeah, SMB is a problem. As, and when you have guys that fill in and, and make that position look more durable, and then he comes in and, and – does what he does. It's just, it's, it's tough. I struggle with how much rope the coaching staff tends to give some of these players to not only hang themselves, but to hang the team. Like you have to kind of make those tough calls to switch these guys out and rely on the players that actually showed up the week before. What do you have to lose? So in some circumstances, what do you have to lose? And for me, we need speed in the secondary. They're not, they can't keep up when they get a, a solid wide receiver that they have to go up against. And, mm-hmm. and Cup's not only fast, but he's shifty, he's smart, he's a lot of things. And if you don't at least have somebody that can somewhat keep up with this guy, yeah, he's going to keep stacking numbers against the defense. And we saw that in a few other games earlier in the season, whenever there was a really speedy wide receiver, this secondary is actually quite slow. They get stumped. So on top of game planning, you don't have anyone that can keep up. Right. And it felt like in this game, the things that, you know, some people, I know there will be the narrative, oh, the Bucks would have never come back in this game if it wasn't for Todd Bowles, it wasn't for things like that. No, I mean, I actually totally disagree. I think he was terrible the whole game start to finish. The only thing that changed in the game were the Rams giving the ball away. That was the only thing that changed. If you want to give Sue and Dean credit for, for stripping the ball and the other two fumbles didn't look like they were strips, you know, yeah, you can give him credit, for, but Todd Bowles didn't get any of that credit. Like, that's not easy. Right, that's just a plays. player making a play. Yeah, that doesn't exactly. have anything to do with the scheme. That's just – fumbles are essentially just luck half the time. Yeah. It's, exactly. either, the pe- it's either the peanut punch or, like, you get yeah, lucky I mean, and you hit, you hit the right punch angle. punch out a few, but for the most part, yeah. It's, and so 
there's that with Bulls. But then it also you go back to the fact that this was one of the worst. This was the worst tackling team in the playoffs and one of the worst tackling teams in the NFL all season long. And that was an issue again later in this game. The fact so that's where it gets the 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 what's the upside with Bulls? Well, we've seen him at his best. This I mean that defense won Super Bowl last year. So like I'm not trying to like knock him totally as a coach, but this year was not his best performance. He did have a lot of injuries that he had to deal with. This was his first game with the starting defense, but it's telling that even in that situation, it was one of the worst of of his year, because I don't think it has to do with how many players he was missing. He's the same coach with the same flaws, regardless of those players he was missing. Sure. It affected things at times, but we saw the same issues regardless of what the situation was. Right, JC. Yeah. And I, and I brought this up, pregame you know if smb is struggling you need to replace him whether that be with mike edwards or whether that be with antoine winfield jr move things around and as casey mentioned they they left him there and he continued to get burnt and you know you're completely right this is the same todd bowls i mean you want proof look at the last play of the game like there's there's your proof you know like he's he has he gets too stuck in his ways and too outsmarts himself. And that last final play was a, a prime example that and not being able to look at what's going on and saying, okay, this is not working. And the only reason that the, the Bucks defense started making plays towards the end of the game is because Sean McVay and his ultimate arrogance thought, oh, this game is out of this, this game. You know, we've got this game locked up and started running the ball more and trying to run off clock. If they kept, Going through the year, I have no doubt in my mind they would have been able to uh, still exploit that Buck secondary and still move the ball down the field and probably scored more points. Right. Matt, uh, thoughts on this one? $10 super chat from Craig. Craig, we really appreciate this one. Great stuff. Why is special teams being let off the hook? Pinion was awful and suck up missed a field goal. Also, Darden over Mickens may have been the worst move all season. Darden is awful returns. We already kind of touched on the Darden thing, and I think Craig sent this earlier. We're just now being able to get to, to some of these oh, yeah, um, because you have so many. Which, which, what's that? We've got a bunch of super chats back. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. It's great. Yeah, we appreciate it for sure. Matt, just real quickly on special teams, what you've seen uh, obviously being there at a lot of these games, but the Pinion stuff was just mind-boggling today. Yeah, you could make the argument that Bradley Pinion was the worst player on the field today. Like, how do you kick job the ball? simple. How do you kick the ball out of bounds twice? Not once, but twice. Yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr., the twice. Um <laughs> And, and both times, too, obviously, when you're doing the kickoff, it's after you score. But it's like the Bucks just got some momentum back. And what do you do? You automatically kick it out of bounds to give the Rams the ball at the 40-yard line. It's just like, come on, man. Like, you, you got to give us something a little bit here. And I, I don't know. I had a bad feeling after Pinion's first punt where he got it down to, like, the five and then it, it rolled into the end zone. I was like, all right, you didn't get too much of a net gain there. And I just – I just – had a bad feeling that it was going to roll downhill with that. And clearly it was for Bradley Pinion. He just forgot how to do kickoffs for a little <laughs> bit. Uh, Ryan Suckup, I, this is what Suckup has been all year. He's missed. I like 48 yard field goal is not easy by any means, but it's super frustrating when the other team's kicker who used to kick for the box, you know, he hits the extra points. He had hit his field goals up until then he missed one later. And then your own guy, he can't hit a 48-yard field goal. And let's remember, the Bucks lost by three points. The game could have completely been different right, if sure. he hits that. It would only be 17-6. to six. But that game again, missed one, too. The, just to yeah, he, he missed one later on. Um, yeah. He hadn't missed it at the time, though, when Suckup missed right, it. Right. Good point. And it's just, you know, you need your special teams, as great as it was the week before, it was awful across the board this week. 
starting with their punter and kicker. In 19 right. games this season, the Bucks or their opponents did not kick the ball out of bounds. We went the whole season without seeing that, and then Bradley Pinion does it twice in one game. That's yeah, mind-boggling. And it helped the field position was a huge struggle, especially in the first half. Like They just could never mm -hmm. start good field position. When you're down people the way they are, that's what I kept saying going into this game. You needed the defense to, to help you, not to hurt you and put you in holes and to basically take your game plan and go like that with it. Um, and you needed your special teams to not sink the team, and neither happened in this game. It's the exact opposite. And that's why I say when you consider the full context of all the situation, the players he was without, the way the defense struggled, the hole that they were in, the opponents he's going against, Aaron Toddle and Jalen Ramsey <laughs> and Vaughn Miller, three of the greatest to ever play the game, like, when you're in those situations, then it becomes like, okay, the full context of the situation for Brady to come back from that is totally mind boggling to me. Robert, uh, I agree with your SMB take John, he was a disaster. And we'll let's start to transition just a tiny bit to the future. And we'll talk more about the future in, in other shows coming up this week. Um, tomorrow, Scott will be back. Scott will be, back. I think Scott will be on tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, this was a little bit too late for Scott's bedtime. <laughs> he, he was feeling it. And so, now we'll see if Scott's back tomorrow on the show. Yeah. I know, yes, for too many old fashions, watching Todd Bowles defense down the stretch there, <laughs> put him in a rough spot. But um, we'll see if we can get Scott on here tomorrow to give some of his thoughts in this game. And we'll look ahead to the future a little bit to close up this show. Cornerback is going to be kind of one of the things going into the offseason that's going to be debated. Is it a need? Is it not a need? Do we think it's a need? And do the Bucs not think it's a need? You know, Jamel Dean played pretty well this season. And look like he could be the number two corner. Do they feel that way? Do they recognize the fact that he's obviously better than Sean Murphy Bunting at this point in time? Carlton Davis is going to be free agent. I think all of us expect him to be back, whether it's tagged or on a new contract. I don't think the Bucs are letting him go anywhere. So now it becomes a situation where you look at corner going to the offseason and maybe the draft, and you say, what do you want to do? Do you want a veteran? You, know, you can't really afford anybody in free agency. Free agent cornerback signings have been pretty much atrocious for teams in recent years. I don't know if you want to go down that route. And there's so many good corners every year in the draft. Feels like they could find a guy that could maybe help them out as a number two or number. They don't need a number one guy. They need like a number two or number three guy maybe. But right now, Casey, give me your thoughts first, I guess. And, and we can, anybody else can jump in after her and I'll close it out. But it feels yeah. like Sean Murphy, like you can't go into next season and think Sean Murphy Bunting, yeah, he should be one of our, we're, we're rolling like Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, our top three. It feels like you need to bring in some actual competition for him. A hundred percent. And like thinking that you can rely on SMBs would just be a horrendous joke. And I'm not taking away from the fact that he hasn't helped this team at some point or another, but it's time to get realistic. You have to stop giving inconsistency so much opportunity. No risk it, no biscuit. That makes no sense to just keep handing things off to people that aren't going to get the job done. I agree with the fact that they can get somebody of quality in the draft and you know, you don't particularly need a number one. I think that everyone does need to give, you know, Dean his dues because he really did step up this season. I even like to see Mike Edwards have a bigger role because he even like stepped up in, in crucial moments as well. So I would say in draft and you guys know how I feel. You need somebody who can keep up with a freaking red receiver that can run anywhere between a four two nine and a four four five. It's not all about size. Bucks are always looking for these big corners, but it's not all about that. You got to be able to run too. Go ahead. I want a cornerback that can hold on to the damn ball. I mean, yes. we we know last <laughs> week how all the corners yeah. dropped so many stuff. Jamel Dean, that first drive for the Rams, dropped the one. one that was in the end. Zone. Yeah, it was a little tough, but I'm sure someone hey, else makes that play. Yeah. 
Are you a baller? Yeah, yeah, you need a baller. I want a corner that can catch the damn ball because the safeties can. They proved that, but no one at corner seems to, uh, no. to want to get an interception. Jack like Barrett has, better, Jack Barrett has better hands than all the Bucks corners. <laughs> I wouldn't prove uh, fact. I wouldn't I wanted to like start draft prep like earlier, you know, just kind of like kind of looking at the Bucks needs and where I think like I was thinking, you know, round three, round four for a wide receiver corner. I'm moving that up to like round one, round two, round three. I think uh, they're going to need defensive tackle, right? They're going to need some. But this draft is super weak already. Just looking at it. I think a running back could be useful depending on if they bring Leonard Fournette back. Another edge rusher, perhaps. But I really think cornerback and wide receiver are two specifically for this offense and for this defense and for what Casey's bringing up as well. Speed. I think you need both of those assets on this team and you got to go, I think, earlier than rather than later in this draft. Wide receiver is a huge, huge need going into the draft, in my opinion, finding a, a good wide receiver three. Uh, Got to be able to find one this offseason and, and probably in the draft. LB with the $5 Super Chat. Did the line lose all continuity without worse or did they just have bad games? I'll just say this quickly because we've talked a lot about it, and I'm sure this question was from earlier. But I just think that Donovan Smith, his worst type of matchup is speed bend pass rushers. He, he, he doesn't get beat inside very often. And you're not going to, if you knock him back with power, he usually can win slow enough that Brady's going to get the ball back. But when you can actually speed and bend, normally he just turns and pushes guys as wide as he can. And Brady's so good in the pocket, he's never too deep. And so you don't really have to worry about it. But when you can run under the table at full speed like Vaughn does, that's like the worst type of matchup for Donovan Smith. So kudos to the Rams for scouting it out. They knew how to rush Smith. They got him on the high side rushes all game long. Um, that's his That's his big struggle. He, he'll kind of go all out trying to hit with a two-handed punch, and he'll try to land the death blow. And when you're shifty like Vaughn, it's like the toughest matchup. So some of it's the – the matchup sheltering him all season long, but there's not a lot of guys that can move like Vaughn. And so that specific type of matchup against Vaughn, if you, you could stop Vaughn's power these days, maybe not back in the day, you could stop his inside moves these days, but you, that speed bend, he still has that man. And when he can get off the ball like that, and it's teeing off every rep and he knows it's passing downs. It becomes a really hard spot. Let's talk about Brady real quickly to close this thing out. We got so many super chats. <laughs> appreciate that, Cody. I appreciate all these super chats that don't even have a question. Y'all are great. Um, a great point here. Even Mahomes Rogers would have gotten destroyed behind protection today. There was no escape lanes. Edges were sealed. Interior kept collapsing. And when there were escape lanes, he found them, didn't he? Ball. I mean, Brady, 44 years old, some of the plays that he made today. And again, nobody's saying it was his best game of all time. These conditions didn't even open the door for that to be a possibility for him to have that kind of a game but to watch him move and throw it just did not feel like it was going to be the end for him he didn't play with that i just nothing he indicated after the game i know he said he's gonna you know he's gonna take some time and consider it and we appreciate this just me poo shimmy five dollar super chat first super chat wish it was under better circumstances but paul let's go around you casey matt jc and i'll close it out but just thoughts on brady and the kind of the direction of this team and whether you think he'll hang it up after this one or not I yeah, I'm really surprised to even hear this chatter. Seems like it came out of nowhere. Up until now, it seemed like next year was an absolute given. Just yeah. no questions about it, really, other than from like random national media. But what he did today was so impressive, just in the pocket. This was uh, you know, we talked about this before, but his pocket mobility in 2020 and 2019 was to me the biggest thing that I had seen fallen off from his prime. He always had those side steps, the slide steps, eyes on the back of his head. He was always way more mobile inside the pocket than people gave him credit for. 
This year, that was back in a big way. It probably almost certainly had to do with the MCL injury. And the fact, I don't think he could have done what he did today last year. Um, so yeah, just that type of pocket movement was super impressive. And here's one other thing. I was tweeting about this before the game. When I went back and watched week three, Brady did have really good pocket mobility, but the pressure affected him in a way that it doesn't often do. And that's even on, on a lot of passes, he was not setting his feet right. Or as soon as he would let go of the ball, he would kind of duck away. Like his feet would not be balanced. Mm -hmm. This happened on completions as well in week three. From what I saw on the TV copy this week, despite the tremendous amount of pressure, his feet were steady. The one time I saw him duck away was on the interception. Other than that, I saw very steady and calm feet. That's a guy that's ready to get hit, ready mm -hmm. to work in the pocket, lay it all out there. So just can't say enough about how impressed I was with his uh, mobility in there. Oh, you took my screen up there, Paul, for a second. I didn't know what was <laughs> going on. Did that happen to everybody? I didn't press oh, anything. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, you're really into the yeah. point that he's making. Right. I didn't realize we could even do that. I might try some solo shots here. If you guys get really deep into some points, I might try messing around with the cameras a little bit. But uh, Casey, what are your thoughts on Brady in the future? You can do that to the dudes. Don't close up on a female late at night. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Um, as for Brady, I, I, I agree. I feel like the story somewhat came out of nowhere, but I feel like there's always a theme to – Tom Brady. He leaves this vague response to things because it's always transitioning into some sort of campaign and he's got a lot of things in the works. So something's going to come up in the next couple of days. It's going to transition into, you know, Brady's return and something Love along it. that return. You know, if it has to do with his Brady label, if it has to do with TB12, it's going to be something. And I felt like there was some subliminal messaging in TB12 posting 59 seconds after the game wraps up talking about keep going. And he yeah. didn't have a goodbye demeanor to him. Like when you knew Drew Brees was done, I knew that weeks into that season, Tom Brady left too much out there to be able to confidently let this go and walk away. I just don't particularly see it. And even though I don't think he's going to come back and think, okay, I'm going to win it next year. Cause they're going to be in a somewhat, they're going to have to rebuild in some areas of this team. And that's not a given to take it all the way back to Super Bowl. But I think that they can close things out on a better note than this. So I don't I think love that take. Crazy. Huh? I love that take. The the marketing aspect, like that take. <laughs> I never thought about that, but that I wouldn't put it past him. I don't Casey like and I had that, plenty amazing. of takes on the Brady brand. Uh, in oh, yes. box today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your take on the Brady band? You're gonna get yourself a hoodie, man? <laughs> not with the pro i shouldn't i shouldn't talk i shouldn't i, I, I don't want to get you want trouble to say sure yeah you go ahead you go ahead okay the tb12 stuff looks way better than the brady stuff yeah the brady brand yeah. just looks the tb12 logo still, should yeah. be the brady logo because it's yeah. just like it says just brady on the side yeah it should be that should be the I whole thought thing. it was gonna have a sick logo so matt and i were saying matt made a great point to like say jordan jordan's jordan. got the jc's sick JC yeah. just ordered like a whole, he just ordered like a Lulu Lamont or whatever it's called. They, they want like $75 for a beanie. Brady can kick rocks. Player on practice squad and been like, give me your gift box. Like, no, yeah. we should have finessed that one for you. I don't <laughs> yeah. even like the shape of blue that they chose, but I guarantee I you that there's some marketing strategy in the works. That's going to just uh, push into the next season and get everybody. There's, there's been a hype revolving around every Brady chapter. So right. I just see a new, a big PR thing happening. Yeah. Interesting. He's got that production company too. So. Yeah, right. That's what yeah, do you think, I, 
I would just say, yeah, first of all, the Brady brand probably does better for the longer that he plays. You know, you want to buy the the merchandise of a guy that's still playing and not and not retired. But let's not forget, you know, he's coming off this season. He led the league in passing yards and touchdowns. He's still playing at an all-time high. And Tom Brady doesn't want to go out like that, the way that they lost today. So he's he's definitely going to be back next season. I, I have no doubts about that. When he spoke in the post-game press conference, he was speaking like a guy that was angry and not a guy that sounded like he just played his last football game. Like Mike Evans was like close to tears when he was talking. You could mm-hmm. like hear it in his voice. Tom Brady just sounded like a guy that was angry and wishes that he was you know, the season was yeah. still going and yeah. go play tomorrow. So he'll definitely be back next season. He's playing, you know, fantastic. So why right. stop now? Yeah. What do you think, JC? Yeah, he's, he's not going. To, I mean, Tom Brady has repetitively said that he's, you know, when he can't do it at a higher, high level anymore then he's going to walk away. You could, he should be the MVP. So there's no right. higher level than that. And he right. brought them back from 27 down, 27 3, you know, to win the game or at least send it into overtime, if not for a terrible play call on the defensive side. And, you know, he's got to be pissed about that. That's probably why he's so angry. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I mean, even if he drops off, if, if he drops off, if he falls off a cliff this year. What is he, Ryan Tannehill, who got the one seed with the Titans with no Derrick Henry? Like, yeah, it's that, Jimmy Garoppolo is in an NFC championship. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's to... better than that mf'er. You know, he's he no clip. <laughs> you know, That's, no, the mf is Tannehill. I'm telling y'all, I don't care if it's Tannehill. I don't <laughs> either way, Garoppolo, yes. I don't care if it's Breeze. I don't. He's better than all those mf'ers if he comes back next year. Yeah. So like, he's not going anywhere. He loves the game. He's in Tampa. It's a little bit different. You know, there's. His lifestyle is a little bit more laid back. Bruce is a little bit more laid back. Obviously, he's you know he's got another season of Tommy and Gronky maybe coming up. He's we're gonna repeat we'll that, see. you know. So Whatever like with Gronk, yeah. Like I don't think I don't think he's 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 ready to hang it up. And you know I'm not here to say that Tom Brady has said he wants to play till he's 45 for the last 10 years, and then he stops at 44. You know mm-hmm. he's gonna he, he's gonna play. The only thing that he that you know, he might consider walking away. And obviously he's very um, personal about his personal life. If there's something going on that we don't know, if, if some, you know, if there's something going on with a family member or something going on, you know, situationally that, you know, he, he feels like he's, he's missing out on some of his kids stuff that's going on. Yeah, uh, and that's really affecting him or Giselle's just like, you need to retire. Uh, maybe that's that, but he's held her off so far. So, you know, that's the yeah, only right. reason I think that maybe he could actually hang him up, but I, yeah. I don't, I don't. I agree with you guys. I think he's coming back for another year and then we'll see, but he's playing so well right now. Trade it's hard to, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy to watch him. I don't think there's any way that he that he hangs it up after this year. Plus the window is still open. Like that's what people need to understand yeah. about yeah. the Bucks. People are like, Oh, there's all these free agents and, as long as Gronk and Brady come back, the window's still up. They're gonna because Godwin's coming back, Carlton oh Davis God, is coming bro. back. Like they'll be fine. They can find another guard. They can find another safety. They can find a third wide receiver. You know, the window's still gonna be open. And who knows what's gonna happen with Rodgers this offseason? Like, I don't know if he's gonna be back in Green Bay. And and there'll be a lot of questions around the NFC. The Rams. Rodgers should take a year staff. off. Rodgers should take a year off and then go to the box next year. Uh, that's a seat. The job, funny thing man. was, as soon as I, that happened, I said Brady, the people were talking about Brady retiring. I was like, look. I don't think Brady's going to retire at all. But if he did, like Aaron Rodgers' press conference the other day was illuminating. Like he was basically just like, yeah, I'm going to come back if we're a front runner. If we're not, I'm not. Like that's literally what he said. Like it was unbelievable. No, I mean, I don't blame him. 
but you don't really hear that usually. Like he was like, I'm basically, I'm not trying to be a part of a rebuild. He mentioned a bunch of times, other guys contracts and we'll see what happens. Like basically, unless the Packers go all out and try and bring back Devonte and like Bakhtiari gets back to full strength. Like he's not trying to play unless he's on the best team in his opinion. Like that's how he wants to roll. I think <laughs> right. that's the, the difference. He's been on have been so bad. They're right? Cap hell too. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, it's we're go back this season. So yeah. Right, but the meanwhile, he'll soak up every opportunity he has to grab the spotlight when he's in that position next year on a great team with the best mm-hmm. play caller in the NFL. But I digress because as I'm talking about this, I'm, I'm reflecting more on like the situation with Brady, and I'm just saying like if Brady were to walk away, which again we don't think is going to happen, and you're Rodgers, you're like, oh, I can hey. go to the box. Like that might be the only team that's better than the Packers because his whole premise is absurd. Like the fact that he feels like he could just leave the Packers and go to a better team. <laughs> Uh, good luck, buddy. Like, I just don't know if that's really out there unless you're talking about the box. Then it, you know, and you'd have to learn new offense. There'd be a lot of challenges. And me and Arians would probably butt heads because he doesn't respond to coaching the same way Tom Brady does. So there could be some challenges. But Devin White, liability in literally every facet of the game. SMB cannot handle man. Horrendous. Not many stunts up either on the D line. JPP, another liability. No question about this. I agree with you. All these takes. JPP, uh, asterisks. Dude gutted it out this season, was hurt all year. Unbelievable stuff he's dealing with. Lost his grandmother this week. Fournette, by the way, said he lost a cousin. I believe he said his cousin was killed this past week. So some players playing with heavy hearts for the Bucs as well. Devin Devin White would be traded by Bill Belichick for a fifth-round pick, and all of New England would be up in arms. (laughs) I mean, it probably wouldn't be a fifth-round pick, but I mean, no no question. The biggest questions going into the offseason defensively are what the heck is Devin White, and will he ever be good? And and <laughs> well, will ESPN's will ESPN's poll of fifty people across the NFL vote him the number one linebacker he's in the, top the league? On, he's going to be the, in the league, be, if not the top or the second linebacker in the t- NFL's top one hundred from the players. I'm telling you, he's going to be in there. That'd you can't underestimate a good slogan. Like get live forty five, people react to that. They like it. I mean, he gets votes. Yeah, you cannot underestimate a good ride. slogan. Yeah, the Brady Bird. It's pushed it for sure because the Devin White thing is out of control. Um, yes, uh, he is the biggest. He and SMB are huge. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, like you guys were talking about the corners earlier, taking a stab in the draft. And you, yeah, in today's league, you definitely need a nickel corner. The first two guys are good, but also it's so hard on these corners schematically. Like we, I was talking about SMB earlier, not having any sort of robber. So he's truly one on one against Cup on the inside, which is just brutal. But the corners are just being asked to play in this very soft scheme with lots of blitzing. So you don't have seven guys in coverage every time. And then plus all year, even with four or five rushers, they struggle to generate consistent pressure. So when you're playing soft coverage and you're not generating pressure, quarterbacks just easily take those little dump offs. And it looks like, oh, these guys are just completing tons of passes against their corners. But the corners are being put in an impossible position because yeah. of the scheme. So I actually think this defensive back group is really good. They should still take another stab at corner because it's just today's league. But I don't think that's really like a huge concern. It's more just about depth. Oh, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think this group is good. But I think SMB is the weakest link. And if you can improve from him, you can. I mean, Jamel Dean finished as a top 10 coverage corner per PFF, and he really came on when he was healthy. Last week, I mean, he played at, at an amazing level. Carlton Davis, I think, is still – he had some struggles today, but I still think he's one of the best cornerbacks 
in the league and certainly one of the most underrated cornerbacks. But yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting, he struggles in tackling. He struggles in coverage. He struggles keeping up with speedier guys. And I agree, you know, on a guy like Cooper Cup, you have to give him help. But last yeah. week with the Eagles, you know, if he was going to play against the Eagles, he still would have struggled, I feel like. He just hasn't been – the word for him is inconsistent, and it's been – huge last year he had the three interceptions in, in the playoffs but did relatively nothing in the regular season injured most of this season and when he came back he really didn't perform that well either the whole well, defense struggles when they're not in mr glass yeah that's the other thing not being 500 healthy for sure what were you saying paul i was just saying the whole defense struggles when they're not in base like as soon yeah. as they're in their sub packages run defense goes down they're weak at nickel corner mm-hmm. right like it's it's everything. It's, yep. They need more depth. The scheme has to be better. The, the and, players and cannot they, outplay this game. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. And they need to figure out what's going to happen in nickel corner in the long term because that's a very important position in today's NFL. If it's Winfield, it opens your, your run defense and your blitzing and all that kind of stuff because he's good, but it weakens you at free safety. So then do you make a move at free safety? Is that the position where you need another player? If you bring him Whitehead back, you'd love for him to fill one of those two roles and he doesn't really. And if you're going to spend money – it just kind of you got to figure out what how your safety is going to play. Is Mike Edwards that guy? Do you want to play in free safety all season long? I don't know. He blew the you know, I don't know blew the yep. coverage. There were semantics about how to phrase it. He gave up the touch the touchdown to, or the yeah t- bad technique. To, bad technique. You don't really correct, see yeah. free safety go from safety to cornerback. You know, it's usually the cornerbacks are moving to free safety. I like Devin McCourty. You don't really see the other way around. I don't know, and I I love. Uh, Winfield's athleticism, but I don't know if he's got the speed to necessarily move into that nickel cornerback on an every down, every game basis. I mean, he's fast and nickel that you don't need to be the fastest dude. I think speed's less the issue with him. I think more of it's speed taken. Uh, you speed, you take out of the post in the safety position. Like that's where you lose right. it. Cause Edwards is yep. not nearly as fast as Winfield. And so that's where you lose so the speed and athleticism. Cause Winfield, the leaping ability, the ball skills, the closing speed, all of those things you lose when you have Winfield, a guy who tested like an elite athlete and is played like one too in the anticipation, the process and getting people lined up. You don't want to take that out of free safety. So you almost want to clone the guy, but we haven't seen him enough in nickel to know if he's actually even that good at it. We just know it opens up the, the packages for Todd Bowles in terms of what he wants to do. Cause he's you, a good ha- you have to have that speed from free safety, John, when you're in this single high scheme, the guy has to be get sideline to sideline. It's way, you have way more flexibility if you're in too high, because then you're, you're just not asking as much in terms of side to side speed for your safety. So right. yeah, I think that's the biggest part. You just can't take them away from there. Right. We got to close this thing out. It's been awesome though. The fans have been great too. And I know that this doesn't, really end for us but y'all have been tremendous all season long cannot say enough good things about the peter report team and the way this season has gone i know the fans recognize it as well and we definitely appreciate it but i'm kind of pumped y'all are on here and i just got not on here but just how great a season it's been the fact that we've had to get we've done these live shows so you know casey matt and jc were going out two games and they were covering games on the ground and doing all those kind of things and scott and i were kind of coordinating these live shows and they've been incredible that we've done during the games and Paul's obviously been a huge part of those and being able to come in and bring commentary and analysis really felt like this year we put together a team of people who complement each other well and who work great together and work really hard and game days were incredible all season long so all the rest of the coverage will continue and the show will continue huge thank you to all uh, four of you for the work you put in this season it's changed Peter Report's coverage forever to be honest uh, obviously people can see that with the YouTube the views and the the subscribers and all of that. And people who don't know our online traffic 
don't know how absurd that's gotten over the last you know, season, actually over the last couple of years, but uh, especially this year in the last couple of months, the computer report has already had the best month in company history this month in January. And it's, we've still got a bunch of days to go here. Uh, to gravy, as Scott that. would say. Gravy, yes. Gravy, gravy for the month. Gravy for each day, <laughs> gravy for the month as well. So huge shout out to the four of y'all people in the in the group chat. Uh, people in the chat right now, uh, show these for some love. Follow them on Twitter. Find them. Uh, they are true game changers, and we love them and couldn't do any of this stuff uh, without y'all. So appreciate y'all jumping in here, obviously. Shout out to y'all, uh, my people. Um, and the fans as well. The fans have been unbelievable, and y'all oh, yeah. have been great showing in for these shows, super chats, questions, bringing your passion, bringing your energy bringing the love, all that stuff, bringing the hated times. Paul got everybody going after him this week because he picked the Rams to win, and it turns out he's right. I saw some people already apologizing to you, Paul. And You did. The Rams are going to blow him out. You were almost right about the score, too, for a yes. there. <laughs> took, yeah. took some it was, was boycott, Paul. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it was. I mean, hey, look, you're right. I mean, you played the odds. I felt like, and I couldn't believe the Bucks were favored in this game. Obviously, came back and made it close. But uh, is good a good season? And I think Bucks fans will be encouraged to hear what we have to say in coming days this week. You know, we'll talk more about this game a little bit. We'll flip the script uh, pretty quickly to the off season, free agency, the draft, things like that. Uh, we're gonna be. Uh, some of us will be at the Senior Bowl here in a week. So those things are coming up. So you'll have a live coverage and, and shows and stuff coming from there. But uh, we'll be back Monday at 4 p.m. on the show, and we'll offer some thoughts looking into the future as well. And then Wednesday and Thursday we'll have shows as well this week. We'll get you wrapped up for the season, give out some superlatives, maybe peek ahead to the offseason a little bit, and then next week we'll start on some draft stuff in earnest. And if you like the coverage, we're going to be having draft videos too and break down some players and things like that going up on YouTube as well. So all of that kind of analysis will be coming your way here uh, in the coming weeks uh, and, and months as well as we get closer to the draft as well as combine senior bowl, all that kind of good stuff as well. So it's going to be a blast. I promise you. And we will, we'll all move past this. We'll all get better. We'll all take absorb the L and, uh, and get better and, we should have hopefully three more games left in the season. They're as good as this past weekend's games. I know it's hard to say that as a as if somebody who's wanted the Bucks to win, but if you look at it neutrally, these were four unreal oh, football games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this incredible weekend of football, yeah. all, all for different stuff. reasons too. Like yeah. no game was the same in, right. in all true. of them, which is yeah, really great. True, tr truly. Wild. Yeah, it just <laughs> it was insane football nfl is absolute king and there's no question about it so we appreciate y'all we love y'all thanks so much for jumping in here and joining us on another edition of the pewter report podcast out out out